Yeah, this is Pastor Tito here, welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast, where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And today we're going to kick off a brand new series for Lent season as we are examining and to be real, re-examining the foundations of our lives, because it is more important than you realize, not just for this life, but also for the next. Today is, begins the on-ramp to Easter season. This is a, a Lent series that we're going to do, and it's called Grounding. And it, uh, to me, it's, it's, when I think of that, it's inspired by this prayer. And this is Paul's prayer to the Ephesian church that we see in the book of Ephesus. And it's really my prayer for us as well, for the church here. It's really Paul's prayer for the whole church. And in Ephesians chapter 3, he, t- he says, I pray. That you, as the church, that you may be rooted and grounded, firmly established, check this out, in the love of God. This all-surpassing, always revealing, powerful love of God that is expressed in Jesus Christ. Guys, that's my prayer, and that's but because of that, that's, we're going to do this series on how can we do that? How can we learn to be firmly established and grounded in the love of God. And, and we're not, uh, the grounding we're not talking about is not like the parents, like, uh, you look at me funny, right? You didn't do your dishes. You're grounded. Not that kind of grounded, even though you're going to kind of see there's a, a little element of that. But have you ever heard the phrase online? Let me know because I can't see you here. Have you ever heard of the phrase, the encouragement, the characteristic of someone who is grounded? You think, of th- think about that? Have you ever heard of that? Or has somebody ever challenged you and asked you, yo, you need to stay grounded? That's, that's a phrase, that's a term out there which is interesting. And when I looked at that phrase, when somebody is described as someone who is grounded, or when you're challenged to, yo, you need to stay grounded, it is somebody who really the opposite is because maybe your, your head is getting a little too big for your body, right? You're getting a little too prideful, right? And, and you're kind of like floating out because of your pride. And so to be grounded is to be humble, right? It's to be anchored. To be grounded is to be anchored in a certain thing. In this case, is the truth. And so those who are, those who can be considered grounded or someone who is grounded is someone who is confident. Hey, that's what that word is. To be grounded is to be a confident person and really confident in the truth. To be grounded is someone that is sure of themselves. But I love this characteristic right here. Someone who is grounded is someone who is unshakable. That's what that means. It is unshakable. They are anchored down. So imagine even like Jesus used this analogy of someone who builds their house on a strong foundation versus someone who builds a house on sand. When the storms come, which one's, gonna, which one's the one that's going to last the longest, right? That one. And here in Florida, when hurricane season comes, right, you can tell which trees are the ones that stand the strongest. Why? Because they're the ones with the deepest roots. The ones with the deepest roots hang tall even in the stormiest winds, while even the biggest tree has toppled over because the roots go shallow versus deep. And this is important for us to learn how can we be confident in the truth of God? How can we be sure of ourselves and sure of who God is like we've been singing so that we can be unshakable? Because look, if we can describe our times, would you not recognize that our times, right? Things are being shaken all around. Nations are being shaken. The economy is being shaken. People are just shook, right? Things are constantly changing, and this is important for us to be anchored during a time and a season when everything is just seems kind of all over the place. And look, we all need, I think we all, if you're honest, think about it. Maybe if you've never used or thought of your, that phrase of being anchored. 
We all have those friends that keep us in check. That's another way to say it, right? We all got that friend, that relative, that somebody, right? When you kind of start acting a kind of way, they're like, you know, they, they, they keep you in check. Or when, when you kind of are like all over the place, right? They're that one person that just kind of keeps you focused, right? We all got those people. We all got those people. Mine is my wife, right? She's one, a big one, right? She keeps me anchored because I'm the dreamer. I'm the one with my ADD. I'm all over the place, right? I'm, like, I'm in the clouds sometimes. And if she anchors me down. And what's amazing, this is not going to sound right, but what's amazing is she's not easily impressed by me. I love that, okay? Okay, you know, some people get it, all right? Look, she's not easily impressed, and I love that. Because she keeps me grounded. I, I might do something like, what do you want? Okay, you want, you want an applause? All right, you, you did your job. Good job. All right, whatever. And so I love that. I need that in my life. I need someone that keeps me anchored down, right, to keeps me on, on the truth and on who I am, right, and who I'm not. We all need those people. But it's also important, guys, for us to recognize that we need to be grounded in, spiritually grounded as well, in the truth. Because, look, if we can be real, our culture focuses more on the grind rather than being grounded, if you think about it, right? It's all, all on the hustle, bro. What you doing now? What you doing? Grind, 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 grind. But if you are grinding without being grounded, man, you're going to be doing a lot of extra work, unnecessary work. And so it's important to be grounded. And so we're going to look at a text today, in fact, another prayer in the Old Testament this time. And this text is going to show us what happens when we forget to be grounded in God what happens when we forget to be grounded in God, and how to regain lost ground when you find yourself drifting. Ready? So we're going to read a big prayer today, and I want y'all, hang. you know, please, some of y'all are going to be like, yo, that was a lot of verses for today. I think I've hit my Bible verse quota for the week. Uh, no, okay, just for today. We're going to read 19 verses. It's an entire prayer, and I want you to read it with me. This is from the prophet Daniel. And we're going to read it. We're going to put it on the screen for everybody online or here that doesn't have a Bible. If you're not sure where to find the book of Daniel, I got you. All right, here he goes. Here it is. Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. We're going to put it on the screen. Here we go. Let's all read it together. So here Daniel says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Azuerus, a Mede by birth, who was made king over the Chaldean kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah, that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. So I turned my attention to the Lord, the Lord God, to seek him by prayer and petitions, with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, and he wrote this prayer down. He says, O oh Lord, the great and awesome, the great and awe-inspiring God, who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all of the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you. But this day, public shame belongs to us. The men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, and all of Israel, those who are near and those who are far, in all of the countries where you have banished them from, where you have banished them from their disloyalty that you, they have shown towards you. Lord, public shame belongs to us, our kings, our leaders, our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness 
belongs to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the Lord our God by following his instructions that he set before us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel, all of Israel have broken your laws and turned away, refusing to obey you. The promised curse written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. He has carried out of his words that he spoke against us and against our rulers by bringing us to disaster. That is so great that nothing like what has been done to Jerusalem has ever been done under the heavens. Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us. And yet, and yet, we have yet to seek the favor of the Lord and we have yet to turn Our God, we have yet to turn from our iniquities and pay attention to your truth. Like, we still don't get it. We still don't get it. So the Lord kept the disaster in mind and brought it to us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all he does. But but we have not obeyed him. Now look at the turn. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a strong hand and made your name renowned as it is to this day, we have sinned. We have acted wickedly, Lord, in keeping with all of your righteous acts. May your anger and wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, from your holy mountain. For because of our sins and the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of ridicule to all those around us. So therefore, our God, hear the prayer and the petitions of your servant. Make your face shine on your desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen closely, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation in the city that bears your name. This is the key phrase right here, guys. For we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your, what? abundant compassion. So Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. It's a big prayer. It's a serious prayer. And so when we look at this, this is the prayer. If you've never heard of Daniel, okay, this is the, if you ever went to church when you were a kid, Daniel in the lion's den, that's this guy, okay. This Daniel is an old man at this point as he's writing this. And if you caught, there's a kingdom shift. Something is happening all around him, okay? They're talking about unshakable things. God was shaking things up here. And this prayer is coming at a specific time because 70 years prior to this, 70 years prior to the moment that he, Daniel, wrote this prayer, God had brought destruction on the nation of Israel because for generations, like you were reading here, like Daniel was documenting here. For generations, God's people were like, all right, God, I think we need this. We can do it our way, all right, whatever, you know. And they just totally, not just rejected, ignored. God played this religious game. And they just, you know, whatever. They want to do things their way. And God would send prophets to say, listen, don't go that way. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. I'm sure you've done this. I'm sure you see it or had. Let's say if you're a parent, you know you've done this with your kids, all right. If you've got friends, you know you've done this. When you see someone in a pattern, that's destructive, a pattern of thinking or behaving, and you're trying to get to them. I'm like, God, no, 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 don't go that way. Stop. Don't hang out with that person. Stop thinking like that. Stop doing that because this is where it's going to lead. Anybody? Right? You've been there, right? You know what that's like. And, that, and it's so frustrating when that person's not listening 
because you know what's going to happen. The chances are, and you wish, and you, hey, can you call him? Hey, can you? You send him a link, a Bible verse, a YouTube video, a, I don't know, right? You're trying to get it in their head, but it's not getting into their hearts. And that's what's happening with God. Through his people, he was sending prophet after prophet. Get, get it, get it. And they didn't. And so God says, all right, man, because I love you too much, sometimes you're going to have to learn the tough way, the hard way. So God brought destruction to the people. They were exiled, taken away from the land into foreign lands, some never to return again. Daniel was actually a part of that. He was a little kid when that happened. Daniel was a part of the upper class, and he was brought in to work for this kingdom, this slave master now that did what he did to his people. And Daniel spent his life working for Babylon, working for the king. And he spent his whole life there. And then obviously we saw here something happened. A new kingdom came, took over Babylon. Now this new kingdom is in charge. Daniel goes to read a book. And actually it's in the Bible. Notice he said he was looking at the prophet Jeremiah, the same book titled Jeremiah in our Old Testament Hebrew Bible. And in there he remembers a word that was given when he was a kid. That God said, I'm going to do this. The hammer's going to come down, but I want you to know. That after 70 years, I'm going to make it all right. After 70 years, I'm going to bring my people back. I'm going to restore you, not because you deserve it, but just to show you how much I love you and who I am. That I am the God, like we sang earlier today, that can do anything, despite what you've done. And Daniel realized, oh, hold on, he did the math. It's been 70 years since God said that. And so the God's word, God's promises is what inspired this prayer. He says, uh-oh, all right. And so I, I don't see what, how it's going to happen, but God said it. And so he starts to pray and starts to lean in towards God. Let me just pause right now. If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, I need to talk to you if you're a mature or call yourself a mature Christian. Well, that right there is amazing. Some of us struggle with praying. If you've ever, if you've been a Christian long enough for two seconds, I'm pretty sure you've struggled with praying. Okay, it's, it's to me, it's the funniest thing when we're in a group of people and I ask a random person to pray out of the blue. The, I mean, deer in headlights, like, like, it's the funniest thing ever. It's to me, I, I, I love it. And I, I tend to pick the people, all right, I'm going to choose a volunteer to pray. I always like to pick the person that doesn't want to do eye contact. I pick you, all right, just so you know. I love it because it's just fun to see people squirm like that. I don't know why I get joy out of it. But listen. I, first off, some of you, we, we struggle with praying sometimes. Well, listen, I want you guys to know that the Bible is full of prayers. I mean, we read a New Testament prayer. We read an Old Testament prayer. There's good prayers, bad prayers. If you don't know how to pray, you get into God's word and you see examples of good prayers and non-prayers. And this can actually help your prayer life. But they both go hand in hand. Don't read the Bible without praying and don't pray without God's word. They both go together. It's like you making a choice. Do I want to drive my car with an empty tank of gas or with four flat tires? Which one do I want to do? Right? No, you need both, right? Choosing to pray without having, choosing to pray without ignoring and, you know, knowing the word of God. It's like you trying to drive a car with an empty tank of gas. It's like you need that. But then you doing the opposite, okay, you doing the opposite is like you trying to drive a car when all the tires are flat. Okay? You need both. So they both go hand in hand. So that's just a free one for all the mature believers in Christ Jesus. Y'all need, need to get your game up on there, all right? So, but I love this. So look, God's promises inspired this prayer. And what I loved, and it's fact that I, I love the song that uh, Lillian, our worship leader for today, chose, was in that, that bridge that we sang a minute ago, right? Even when I don't feel it, I believe you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. That was Daniel here because, see, he read, oh, wow, 
70 years, God said he was going to do it. He didn't say how. He just said what he was going to do. And so Daniel was like, it's been 70 years. I don't see God doing it. I don't feel like he's doing it, but it didn't matter. He still prayed anyways, and he still believed and held on. You saw that faith there that Daniel had? He didn't see God do it. So there was no sign of hope, yet still God, so Daniel called out to God because God's promises were always greater. And this is the beautiful thing about even God's word, that God's promises that are in his word, okay, reminded Daniel that his, God's promises are bigger than his problems. God's promises are bigger than our problems too. It gave Daniel a perspective that was bigger than his problems to say, God, if you said it, I believe it. Though I don't see how you're going to do it. I know how you're going to pull this out, but I believe it. And so that prayer, that it, that's what his promises gave him that perspective, led him to that prayer. And that prayer, this is actually a good prayer because it is modeled very much like Jesus's prayer. Some of us have heard that one, right? Our Father, child in heaven, yada, 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 right? You know that one, right? And so that's that prayer. Jesus' prayer, he said, listen, pray like this. Let me give you an example. And Jesus' model prayer is the same as Daniel's. It started out with adoration, the focus on God. And then there was confession, just like Jesus's. There's this confession of a need for God, a need for, you know, we need to depend on you and Lord forgive us for. And then a petition, deliver us from the enemy, right? That's Daniel's prayer. It went from adoration to confession, finally to petition. So many of us, again, maybe your prayers are not working because you got it flipped. You jump straight to petition. Forget the adoration and forget the confession. You just want, okay? Listen, it don't work like that. All right, it don't work like that. I'm like, mommy, I love you. What do you want, right? It's not like being buttered up. You're not, he, Daniel's not buttering up his parent here. He's not buttering up Heavenly Father so he can get something. This is sincere love and honor coming from Daniel. And he says, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious commandments to those, all right, to those who love and keep his commandments. That's an irony there. It's like, God, you keep your commandments to those who keep. Uh, we didn't keep ours, though. We didn't keep our commandments. Did you see? It was like glory and honor, abundant compassion. All of it belongs to you, God. All of it belongs to you. The adoration part is saying how, ev how God is right and everything that is right with God. In essence, this massive prayer, can I simplify this prayer? It's pretty much, God, you were right, we were wrong. That's the prayer. That, and by the way, that's a powerful prayer if you pray that yourself and mean it. God, I'm sorry, you were right, I was wrong. That's what was happening here. He was like, God, it is you. you. You've been telling us. You've been helping us. You have done everything to help us understand and get it. Yet it was us who rebelled, us who didn't listen, us who just wanted to do things our way. And I even love that amazing confession at the end of 9 when he just said, everything happened to us that you said was going to happen, and yet still we didn't get it. For 70 years, Daniel's the only one praying this prophecy. Apparently he's the only one believing that we know of. And so everybody else is just like, well, they've kind of settled. I guess this is life, right? Have you ever been there? You just kind of, things aren't the way they are. And you just feel like, well, I guess autopilot from here. That's what the people were, but not Daniel. Daniel was like, nah, God, you said something different. I'm going to believe in that. And so, and I love the part where Daniel is not blame shifting, which is something I've done and you've done too. Blame shifting is, right? Uh, something's not going right, and uh, who can I blame real quick? Who can I blame? Who, you know, who, what person can I blame? Oh, if it wasn't for my mom when I was, you know, if it wasn't for so-and-so, if it wasn't for my boss, if it wasn't for my kids, if it wasn't for this politician, if it wasn't for this, if it wasn't for COVID, if it wasn't, right? Blame shifting. It's like you're willing to call out everybody but you, right? 
but you and your contribution to the thing. But no, no, no. See, he, I loved Daniel. Notice, man, he didn't leave anybody out. He said our kings, our leaders, our spiritual leaders. Oh, and the people too. All of us, including Daniel. Daniel included himself. And listen, I mean, a real, uh, a real Christian, a real Christian, who's really, really, somebody who's really read the Bible. Let me just put it there. When you read Daniel, bro, Daniel is, Daniel is no joke. Like his character is up there. I mean, Daniel, when you read the scriptures, Daniel don't miss, okay? Daniel don't miss in the Bible. I mean, that guy is batting a thousand, apparently. But even Daniel realized, yeah, I, I didn't, I loved God. I, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. I didn't, how did I contribute to this? But he knows he's not perfect neither. He knows he's not perfect. And so Daniel was like, Lord, we, including himself, we have sinned. We have done all of this. So there's no blame shifting here. And so from the adoration to the confession then leads to that petition. God, you promised. And Lord, we hold to that promise. And God, I, I, and I love even Daniel's heart. Did you notice he says, I'm not praying this because so we can look good in front of the world because uh, everybody's making fun of us. Everybody, I mean, we're looking bad. We're, we're not looking good together. We're not. But God, I'm not praying this so your people, so we can look good. I'm praying this so you can look good. Do you hear that? That confession there, that heart? Daniel is all about God. He says, Lord, I want your name to be known. I want your name to be renowned. I want you, when people think of Israel, I want them to think of you and be like, wow, look what only that God, what did he do? That's amazing. Like that was Daniel's heart the entire time. And this is pretty much the, the essence of the prayer, which helps us to understand a little bit about what is this ancient prayer that is almost 2,500 years old. How does that still apply today? Because it does. See, Daniel recognized God rightly judged the nation. He's a like, God, you were right, and you are right to judge us. We deserve this. What we don't deserve is that promise. He recognizes that. So he says, God, you have judged us rightly, but also he recognizes, God, only you can make things right. Only you can make things right. There is nothing that we can do as a people to make it right. Only you can make things right. And guys, I want you to know that God did. God fulfilled that promise on the day, 70 years to the day. He returned the people back to Israel and he did an amazing, remarkable thing. It was a miracle. He made a way where there was no way. Literally one out of the millions of times he's done it. And he did it to show himself, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. And listen, that was just a symbol and a shadow of what God was ultimately going to do. Because see, you and I, we were born exiles. You and I were born slaves to sin. And God rightly judged all of sin on the cross when Jesus died in our place. He judged sin rightly at that moment so that he can make things right with us, through us. It's only God that could have done it. Only God and he did in the same way that God led the nation of Israel from slavery into a return to the promised land, the day, the second that Jesus stepped out of the grave, he has been leading a host of captives from slavery into the promised land. He has been leading people, leading us out of the pit of depression, out of the pit of slavery, out of the pit of sin, out of the pit of darkness. Jesus did it. He did it for us, and not because we earned it, not because we deserved it. He did it out of his abundant compassion because that's who he is. That is who he is despite who we are. He did it. 
He did it. That was a glorious, the Old Testament example is a shadow of what Jesus wanted to do today. And that is what we need to be grounded on, guys. I mean, as we're talking about being grounded, being confident in the truth, some of y'all ain't confident on this. And let me tell you, if you're not confident in God's word, you're not confident in God because it is him. To, to reject God's word is to reject the author who wrote it. Let me be real with you on that. And I know there's some complicated things in there, but don't mean, okay, don't mean you can't learn it and get something out of it. And so for us, the only way we can be confident, the only way that we can be sure of ourselves and God, the only way that we can have an unshakable faith is not out of anything that we can do. It is something that is done to us. It is God himself. The only reason we can be grounded in Christ is because of what he has done for us. And when we believe, when we repent, when we confess not only our sins, but our reliance on God, because Daniel was relying, taking, praying for the nation. God, we depend on you. When you do this, God himself is what helps you to be grounded to himself. Because listen, everything else in this world, it's not enough. None of it is strong enough. None of it will stand the test of time. And in fact, none of it will stand when Jesus returns. That's the big one. When Jesus returns and make the, or when you, your time is over and you got to face God, it's not enough. I love uh, Spurgeon's quote. He says this, you will never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything else. Listen to that. You are never going to know the fullness of Christ until you realize the emptiness that lies in everything else, that none of it is enough. And that's good news. When you, if you feel like you're at the end of your road, when you feel like I can't do it, I have no other options, you are at a perfect place to begin to realize all that you have in Christ and who he is because you have no other option but to depend on him. I love it. I love even uh, Tony Evans' quote, and he says, sometimes God lets you hit rock bottom so you can learn that he is the rock at the bottom. I love that one. I love that because it's that rude awakening, man, that you need him no matter what because nothing else is strong enough. And we do that. We stay grounded. We become grounded in God, in Christ, in his life, in his work. We become grounded when we confess through confession confessing towards God and each other. 1 John 1, 9, I'm just going to read it quick. If we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Guys, I want you to know the only sin God can't forgive is the only one that you are unwilling to ask him to forgive, meaning for real, okay? I know, you know, the the unforgivable sin is really, the unforgivable sin is rejecting Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's it. It's rejecting the Spirit's testimony that Jesus is Lord and Savior. The only sin God can't forgive is the one you don't want to present to him because, oh, I don't know. All of it, give it all to him and he will forgive. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous despite the fact that we are unfaithful and unrighteous, he will forgive us. And then James, later on, James 5, 16, it says, confess your sins, listen to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed for the prayer of the righteous person is a very powerful in its effect. That's an important confession too because it's one thing for me to pray and I'm dealing with God, but then I don't want to tell nobody, anyone, anything because you know what? You know what there? That's pride, isn't it? When you can't even tell one, like your brother, listen, I got to talk to you. Like a brother in the faith or somebody, I'm really going through this. I'm really struggling with this. I'm really struggling in my marriage. I'm really struggling with this. I'm really struggling with the sin. I'm really struggling with my faith. 
It's important to not only know you can talk to God about everything and anything, but it's important to know that you have, and this is where the church comes in, that we should have one another, someone, someone at least. Listen, not everyone. No one needs to know all your information and business, all right? Don't do that. No one needs to know your business, all right? You don't need to be going out and telling everybody. You find someone that you trust, someone that knows that, look, they got my back. They're not going to stab me in the back, right? Somebody like that. And you're like, listen, for real, can you pray with me? It's because that, notice that there's healing when we do that. There is healing when we confess our sins to one another. And when there's someone that loves us, there is healing because we are healed from that pride. We're healed from all of those things that still hold on to us. It's important. So notice, guys, staying grounded in the truth is through confession. Confessing towards God and each other. This is important, guys. Without it, we can't be grounded. And let, let me tell you, we are just like we are just like the Israelites, the way they were here. Notice that they rejected God. They rejected God, and it's like they were a boat, and, and they were, you know, a boat, and they pulled up the anchor, and the waves took them wherever, and they took them away from God. I want you guys to know. That everything that attracts you from the world is just going to pull you away from God. It's, it's the most ridiculous trade-off that we make. It's saying, hey, what you, I'm offering you something that even though you have something better in God, hey, I, 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 this is better. What if this is better? What if this is better? And you literally walk away from something that is better for something that is not. That's only going to disappoint you and let you down. That's what sin is. That's what sin is, guys. I want you to know that we are, if we are not grounded in the abundant compassion of God, if we are not grounded in the love of God, then everything that we have built our lives on will not withstand the storms of life. That's what happened to the Israelites. That's what happened to the Hamiltons. All right. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that musical of uh, the Hamilton. Right? That's on Disney. If you didn't, it's okay. But there was a powerful song. There was a powerful song at the end of this thing. It brings a highlight of this part and in Hamilton at this moment what happening is see, he spent his whole life going from the bottom to the top he had nothing when he came here and he lived and I mean an incredible life he accomplished a lot of things right I mean a founding father here in America his legacy still lives on today 200 something years later but here's what happened he was unfaithful with his wife he was unfaithful to his wife and he lost his son and at that moment as an old man as an old man, here he is, he's realizing he built his whole life on something and now his life is falling apart. It's not whole, he's really going through it. So the song says, if you see them, if you see Hamilton walking in the city, have pity. Have pity on him because they are going through, they are passing, pushing away, trying to work through the unimaginable. Dealing with the life, of, dealing with the loss of a son, dealing with his infidelities towards a good woman. I mean, they're going through it. They were going through it. And in the song, he goes and he starts talking to his wife, Eliza, and he says, I don't deserve you. I don't deserve you. I don't deserve you. And in fact, if you could just listen to me and just be here, that would be enough. And he even says, if I could go back and trade my life for our son and he could be back, if that would put a smile on your face, I would do it. That would be enough. But he can't. And at that moment where the song climaxes, I mean, here they are wrestling through the unimaginable, and then the unimaginable happens. Eliza grabs his hand, and as right as Eliza grabs the Hamilton's hand, the song, the chorus rises up and shouts, forgiveness. Can you imagine? Forgiveness. She was able to forgive 
all that he had ever done. And, and they're, they're, they're working through this. Can you imagine this? Forgiveness. Can you imagine forgiveness? Listen, guys, that is a small, simple thing. That is what happened. What happened to the Hamiltons? What happened to Israel? And it's what happened to us through Jesus Christ. Because, listen, the only reason we can ever be grounded in God is because Jesus experienced the unthinkable horrors of the cross so that God can do the unimaginable, extend mercy to the guilty. Jesus has done the unimaginable. He experienced the unthinkable horrors of the cross so that he could do the unimaginable, the impossible. Extend mercy to the guilty, you and me, all of us. That is what Jesus has done because he had pity on our, on our condition. He had compassion towards us and it was us who've been pushing him away. Us who've tried to find a way to work and live our lives without him. On our ways, not his. We don't deserve this God. We don't deserve this God. And if we could go back and change it, see, we can't, right? Because we are not enough. We are not enough. But because Jesus took nails in his hands, you and I can be taken by the hand of Christ and we can see the unimaginable happens as all of heaven cries out forgiveness to those that call on the name of Jesus. Those, there is a party, the Bible says, there is a celebration in heaven when all of those who call and recall and lean on God, heavenly choirs shout out, Forgiveness. Can you imagine God is forgiving the unforgivable? He is forgiving those. They don't deserve this. But look, can you imagine what he's doing? And he has done it. He has done it. Forgiveness. All of heaven shouts out forgiveness. Because see, Jesus did not spare the life of his son. Instead, Jesus, God didn't spare the life of his son. And Jesus willingly traded his life for ours. And so when you call on Jesus and when he, for those of you that are doing it now and for those of you that have done it, look around. Look around and you see, you know what you don't see? Condemnation from your God anymore. You don't see condemnation. Look around because anything that you hear is just the enemy just barking away because the truth is you are forgiven. You are set free in Christ. Look around. Where are the chains of sin anymore? They're not there. Where is the grip of fear? Where is the grip of hell? It is gone. It is only Christ that is standing there. And he is enough. He is enough. He is standing, listening, just like he listened to the people back then. He heard that one man's prayer. Jesus, God, our Father heard that one man's prayer on the cross. God, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He heard that prayer. And through the prayer and the life and sacrifice of one man, we can have life. So guys, I want to challenge you whether you have never done it in your ever or you've, maybe you thought you did and you haven't. Even if you have, may we continually confess our sins towards God and confess our faith and dependence on Him. That is what we are called to do, to confess our sins to God and one another, to confess our faith and trust in God and receive from God. This is what happens when we do. We receive from God. We're being grounded in Him and we receive an assurance an assurance that we are forgiven. We receive a confidence that we are loved and we receive an unshakable hope that will stand the test of time because it is Christ who holds us up. So stay grounded. That's what we need to do. Stay grounded, not in your good intentions. 
because it's not enough, but on Christ's perfect work of redemption because he is enough, because he has proven once and for all when he rose from the dead that he is the ultimate way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Our God, that is who we are grounded in, in him. And so I want to tell, I want to just give you a second right now to do that right now. This is kind of just pray. Just uh, I want you to close your eyes and just pray. And just listen, you can only do that. You can only be grounded. This is not something that you do. This is something that is done to you. And the only way you can do it is by confessing your sins to Christ. Confess your sins to God. Confess your faith. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, this is a continual thing we are called to do. This is something right now, and so confess your sin every morning. Confess your confidence in Christ. Thank him for the hope, the unshakable hope that you have. Lean on God right now. Repent and rely on Christ and Christ alone. If you're a believer in Christ and you're excited and you, this is a great reminder, I just want you to worship in appreciation the fact that you have forgiveness that God is there, that what God has done and what he's doing in your life. And listen, I don't want any one of us to leave here. Making sure online before you log off and scroll up and anybody else before you pull out of here. Listen, you cannot build your life on your good intentions. Just like Dave Daniel said, all of Israel has sinned. Paul later declared, all of us have sinned and we've fallen short. It's not enough. It's not enough to spend a lifetime building something that will be gone. That is not enough. But Christ gave his life so that you can have a second one, a better one. So you can have life in and of itself. Don't just pursue your best life. Don't pursue your best life. Jesus gave his best by giving his life for us so that we can have a better. Pray for all of those who are praying that prayer right now. All of us who are being reminded once again of just the amazing miracle that is who you are. That is your love for us. Thank you for your abundant compassion for your faithfulness despite our unfaithfulness. God it is in your name that we hold on to and it's in your name that we declare that those God that you have set free and those that you are setting free by the power of your spirit God by the power of your spirit I pray right now that the light of your love just fill those holes bring healing to their bodies in Jesus name not for our sake I pray you bring healing to the sick healing Lord to to those who are emotionally sick physically sick not so we can have an easier life but so that others can see that we serve and trust and believe in a faithful miracle working God and God I pray that you do this and so much more anything and beyond what we can ever think so God the world may know so that we can better know who you are and so that the world may come to see that there is nothing and no one like Jesus it is in your name that we pray it is in your name God that we are grounded on we may we stay grounded Holy Spirit in Christ and in Christ alone by our faith through your grace and we thank you Jesus because we know that the kingdom of the devil is being shaken right now and it will not stand but your kingdom is unshakable and it will stand forever. And God, we thank you that you have opened the door to us. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And in Jesus' name, our confidence is in Christ, our assurance is in Christ, and our unshakable hope is found in Christ. Amen. You let that bottom line just sink in your heart that God has done the unimaginable by extending mercy to the guilty, you and me. And it is in that truth. It is in the character and nature and the love of God 
in his abundant compassion and love of God that we are grounded. It is on Christ as our foundation, the truth of who he is and what he's done on the cross that will keep us anchored now and forever. And that's the kind of revolutionaries we need to be. Because remember, the revolutionaries that revolve their life around Christ, just as the earth revolves around the sun and the moon revolves around the earth, there has to be something that anchors it down. And we are grounded in the truth of Christ. We are grounded in his love and grounded in the resurrection. That is the foundation of our faith that will cause godly misfits to be able to not only withstand the storms of life, but stand for Christ as he continues to expand the kingdom of God in our hearts and in the world.